Father, this evening we just come to you. We just thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for the gift of life, for giving us, keeping us through this day and even bringing us into your house, O oh Lord. We just thank you. As we come to the teaching of the word, I pray, Father, we will have hearing ears, mind that understands. Give us that understanding, Lord. Open the eyes of our mind that we might understand your word. Your word is life. In this last of last days of humanity as we know it, we need that mind, Lord, to understand, to believe, to stand in this last hour. Speak to us. Give us strength, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, if you were there Wednesday, I believe most of you were there Wednesday. We know we looked at training, boot camp, right? That's not a camp where you take care of your boots, but where you are given boots. So it's a military term, okay? Where you are trained. Uh, trained, how the army trains, recruits, or, and then on Sunday we looked at the enemy we face and some of the tactics of the enemy. So we are basically using physical symbols, okay, to learn about spiritual warfare. We are not learning physical warfare, okay, for that join some dojo if you want to. But we are learning using physical symbols in the Bible, how we fight this unseen, incredibly wily, crafty, also powerful enemy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul talks about this in this one. But reject profane and old wives' fables. Exercise, okay? Exercise yourself towards godliness. So we are talking about spiritual training, spiritual exercise, not physical. Physical is important. For bodily exercise, that is physical exercise, profits a little. It is good. Good for the body, as long as you are in the body. It is little. Connected to eternity, that's time in, in the physical body is like a second. It profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. So it is talking about a spiritual exercise. We need physical exercise, but even more we need spiritual exercise. We watch over our bodies because God speaks to us our spirit and then uses our body. Remember Samson. You can have an incredible body and then mess it up because you were not spiritually disciplined. So every discipline a soldier receives in the army is connected with facing and defeating the enemy in battle. Whether it can be in surprise or actual planned out battle, the whole training is this. How to face your enemy, how to overcome your enemy. And on second, sorry, on Sunday we saw who our enemy is. He's, he's spiritual. 
He's not a seen enemy. It's an unseen enemy. That doesn't mean he's not there. And it doesn't mean our battles are not real. Actually, our battles are so real. But because he's unseen and we don't understand how he fights, even before the battle is begun, we are defeated. Okay? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, scripture talks about the world, the whole world. Okay? Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. Okay? When we don't believe, okay, anybody who does not believe or we struggle with believing, our minds are blinded. We saw parables or not parables, miracles of Jesus, so many blind men being, being healed. The enemy has blinded our minds. We see blind people, they struggle to walk. One of the main things about blind people is they they don't struggle to communicate, but they struggle to walk. Their walk is automatically affected and without help they cannot move. When our minds are blinded, we cannot move with God. We cannot move with God. So what the enemy does is he blinds our minds. How does he blind? By seeing that we don't believe. We don't believe. Okay, we don't believe. While in the kingdom, we know a man has sight by the way he walks because we are called to walk by faith. So in the world, when our minds are blinded, we may be walking and doing very well in the world, but God says you're actually blinded. You're not walking with God. In the kingdom, the world may think opposite about us, but that man or woman may be seeing very clearly and walking with God. And it's only the end that will determine who saw who did not see. So you will see, you know, walked with God and he was gone. And his entire generation was left behind. So we will see who saw and who did not see. Even believers who see and walk can be blinded and be taken captive by God, by the devil. So in 2 Timothy, when scripture is talking about, because the conflicts in every church, any church is over faith. Why should it be this way? Why can't it be this way? So scripture says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. This is talking to the man of God who teaches. Okay, the pastor, the teacher. When you hear the word of God, so many opposing ideas will come. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't it be this way? But the way of God is very narrow, which leads to life. Correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. Gently hoping they will repent and come back. So that they may know the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil who has having been taken captive by him to do his will. He has taken them captive and they are not even aware. Lord of people who create incredible dissensions in the church and think they are battling for the truth have no clue they have been taken captive by the enemy. Captive by the enemy. Okay? To do his will. What is his will? Create conflict, 
break up homes, break up churches, create division in the kingdom of God because you know a kingdom that is divided cannot stand. Okay, so he can take you blinders and take us captive to do his will. So understand, the whole purpose of training is to battle this unseen, powerful, conniving, deceiving enemy. And it is a constant battle. And the word of God, the teaching of the word of God is to prepare us for this battle. This battle, when it will end, the moment you die, till your last breath, Okay, last breath, you will see, like if you were there on Sunday, you will see, even in the last breath, Rachel dies bitter. She loses the battle. I'm not saying she's not saved, but I'm saying she's not an overcomer. Even with the last breath, you know, people can lose this battle. Or in your last breath, you can be an overcomer like Samson. Let me kill my enemies. One more. Which I need, O oh Lord, one granted, okay? So understand, this battle will never cease with the enemy until the hour we die. So better learn to fight. Let her be trained in godliness, as Timothy says. But remember, in any training, any training, any, just any battle, always you will see the first step is very important. You have this Chinese proverb which says that no, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Let's leave the Chinese aside. But the first step always matters. Always matters. Your first, okay, the first step. Because you will see in math, because God is a mathematician, that's why there is incredible order. And then he gave us free will and we learn no math, so there is total disorder in our life. In math, you will see, if you go wrong in your first step, everything goes wrong. Every answer is, at the end, your answer is wrong. So the first step really, really matters. So there is this feeding of the 5,000 plus, 5,000 men, women and children decide, and Jesus fed them, and they were excited, incredibly excited, man. Who doesn't get excited if you can get free food, right? Excited. And he leaves, but they follow him. Follow him. And Jesus looks at them and he knows why are they following him and he tells them, you know what? Don't work. I mean, you look at their zeal and enthusiasm and walking, running around because he got in the boat and went on to the other side. So they came the roundabout way. Seeing that zeal and hard work, he looked at them and said, you know what? Don't work for food that perishes. Don't work for food that perishes. Instead, work for that has eternal value. This is an interesting conversation. So immediately they said, how do we do the works of God? How do we do the works of God? Okay, in John chapter 6 and verse 27. Okay, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. That's how this is. So, Question is, what do we work for? What do we work for? Think about it. Like a lot of people have come back from work today. What do you actually work for? Do we really put the physical above the spiritual? The temporal before the eternal? 
If you do, in the long run, you will be an absolute loser. And doesn't matter what the world calls you. He says, you can do the same thing, but put the spiritual first and the physical second. So the crowd will say, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we, yeah, what shall we do? That's every man's, what do you want me to do? That's the way our mind works. See, we all put do first. What must I do? The first fundamental work of God you and I do, must do, Jesus gives the answer. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent. What is the first work? Believe. It's first. That's why I said, look at me. Because you did a work, you came all the way through the traffic, hard, one hour, and he came and sat down. But if you don't hear, you don't believe, your work is worth nothing. The first work God wants us to do is believe. And to believe, you need to hear. If we haven't heard what he has to say and haven't believed, our second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh, every step will be wrong. Doesn't matter how good it looks. Because we went wrong in the first step. And the first step is the most important step. What is the first step? Believe. But we'll ask, what do you want me to do? God says, it is not do first. It is believing first. Believing first, and we struggle with that every day, every day, because it's a natural impulse. Natural impulse. Paul of Saul of Tarsus, that is Apostle Paul, first encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter nine and verse six. You know, he meets Jesus. He knows now this is Jesus, and his first response is he trembling, astonished, and said, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" That's what we always think. Come to church. Oh Lord, I, Lord, what do you want me to do? God says. Till we told you. You're not ready to do anything. You're not ready to do it. God says, none of us are ready to do anything in his name until we have believed. None of us. Absolutely worthless to do any work of God until we have believed. Therefore he says, Arise and go to the city till we told you. You're not ready. You're not ready. Okay. That's our impulse. In Acts chapter 2, when they hear Paul, no, Peter preaches, they are cut to the heart. In chapter 2, verse 37, if I'm right. 37, no? Now when they heard this, they cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Shall we do? Now, you will say, okay, say 21 novenas. Ah, very happy. I can do something. Or oh, light five candles. Ah, or roll up the steps of that hill and then roll down back. Ah, fine. These are prescriptions given in religion. What should we do? And religion will always give you an answer which is in your hands. Do this. God doesn't. Verse 38, God says, repent. 
Repent is connected with believing. He said, repent. In Acts chapter 16, this is, remember the famous scene in the prison in Philippi? Okay, 16 and, sorry, verse 30 and 31, yeah. So they said, okay, search, this is a jailer, he's seen incredible miracles, chains have fallen out, he comes, falls at his feet, the Roman jailer, and he says, sirs, what must I do? See, religion automatically thinks we need to do something. What does Peter say? Believe. First thing you need to do is believe. Without believing, if you do anything, it's worthless. So even connected with the gospel commission in Mark, God will say, those who believe and are baptized, you are saved. And if you don't believe, even if you're baptized, you are condemned. And most of us who came from Christianity, Christian background will realize we were all baptized without believing. So our baptism was worth nothing. We did something. We were done for us without us ever believing. That's why in the book of Acts where the records of baptism is given, you will never hear anybody being baptized before hearing the word of God. They had to hear, they had to believe, then they get baptized. Understand? What comes first? Believing. So if you go through the Bible, you will see the answer seems to be always the same. Repent and believe. They always go together. These two things go together. I cannot believe without repenting and I cannot repent without believing. They go together. Somebody taught you in school, two plus two is three. Now imagine you continue that and you believe that two plus two is three. And you go through life. When it is just four, your loss is only one. When it is 40, your loss is 10. When it is 400, your loss is 100. When it's 4,000, your loss is 1,000. When it is 4 million, your loss is 1 million. If it is 40 million, it is 10 million. You don't realize. So if you go with your math and you run a corporation, your corporation will go bankrupt. Why? Because you went in the fundamentals that 2 plus 2 is 4, 3, when it is 4. So the day you hear 2 plus 2 is not 3, it is 4. First I have to repent. This is wrong and then I have to accept the truth. This is right. So repenting and believing always goes together. You cannot believe something which God is telling you has true without negating something which you believed earlier was wrong. It is not putting on something. That is what scripture is talking about to Jeremiah. You know, we have seen that. Give me that chair. Give me that chair. Just give me quickly. Run. Don't hesitate. Let's not waste time. You know. And give me one more chair. You see this? What we do is we build like this without changing our false foundations. So God tells Jeremiah, I have told you to break down and build. That is the work of God. Otherwise, it doesn't work. 
It's a total trial. It's a new creation God is doing. Not building on the old creation. He is not building on the old creation. Behold, all the old things have passed away. And everything is new. So you will realize every time you hear the ministry of God's word, he speaks to you something which you know is new and true. You have to repent from something that is old and false. And it is not possible otherwise. And that is this walking in salvation. Walking in salvation. Because we all, our minds were blinded by the devil with wonderful ideas which were all false. And the most dangerous, painful part for us to understand is when the truth of God comes into our hearts is to realize everything about me was actually False. My love for my father, my love for my brother, for my love for my siblings, my love for my wife, my love for my children, everything was false because Christ was not there in it. It's all false. And it's a very mind-shaking thing to look. That is look for us to really understand, you know what? Without Christ, I am an absolute zero. That's what Paul realizes. In me, there is absolutely nothing good. Without Christ. Because Christ is the truth. So God says, first things first. First thing to do is to believe. What I believed so far is wrong. A lie. So I repent. Repentance means there is a change of mind. There is a change in my attitude. And I receive the truth about it. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were told. What were they told? Before Pentecost, 40 days. They've been talking, 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 talking. Oh, you know about this Jesus who died? He was a crook. The priest told us he was a crook. And he was a rebel. He needed to die. Barabbas, that thief and that murderer was better than him. That's what they taught, 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 heard, 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 heard. And then on that day, they heard something. The Jesus whom you crucified is God has made him Lord and Savior. They were shocked. For so many days they have been hearing from the priestly class who is supposed to give you knowledge about who truth has been telling him. He's a thief, he's a crook, he's a murderer, he deserved to die, his body is missing, but his disciples also are crooks, they have stolen his body away. Today, one of the disciples stands and says, you know what, who he is? He is Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit comes with power and convicts them and says, that is true. What this man says is true. And when the Holy Spirit says something, there is no argument to it. You don't understand, you know, you, you, you have no answer when the Holy Spirit convicts you. You know this is true. How do you know it is true? I know it is true because it is true. It is the spirit of truth that is convicting them. They had no answer to that. That's what that happened. And all Peter used was scripture. Simple scripture from the book of Joel, from the book of Psalms. He used scripture. The Holy Spirit took scripture and he convicted the hearts of the people and they knew it was true. That should be our procedure all our life. We may use illustrations, we may use jokes, we may use humor, but ultimately that is only to make you understand conviction comes through scripture and scripture alone. 
the holy spirit will stand witness to the word of god and the word of god alone not to history not to psychology not to physiology not to sociology nothing only to scripture because only the word of god is true that is why the devil blinds us by saying don't worry about this worry about math without math how will you progress in life worry about english worry about telugu you should worry about all that but in the process you will tell keep it for vacation this is not so important in vacation come they will say now watch tv after with this is after all vacation how we struggle with this we struggle so we have two choices when we hear the word of god we can either repent or we can reject we can either repent or reject repenting is giving off away of something which you had received earlier through parents through school through friends through the world system whatever as wrong as a lie and replacing it with the truth but rejection when we reject it can come in different forms rejection can come in different forms one of the ways rejection comes is scoffing scoffing no like in second chronicles sorry 36 and verse 16 second chronicles 36 and verse 16 and second peter they mocked the messengers of god and despised his words they mocked the messengers of god despised his word and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of lord came until till then when the wrath came it is too late can you imagine noah's generation how many of them must have laughed at the ye budde ko kya ho gaya but they all came to see they all listened to his message and must have laughed at him they mocked they despised they scoffed until the day of judgment came in and they realized oh the word he preached is true but it's too late and second peter 3 3 says the same thing in the last days knowing that first scoffers will come in the last days walking in their own lust why they like something in this world and when they hear the word pointing to that same thing they laugh they laugh and proverbs 9 8 will tell us how to deal with scoffers proverbs 9 and verse 8 will tell us What is it? Do not correct a scoffer. Don't correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Leave them alone. Don't don't try to correct scoffers. That's exactly what Scripture says. God doesn't throw his pearls before swine because they are scoffers. The minute you see somebody mocking, scoff, not. being doubtful asking questions all that is fine the minute you see a scoffer leave them alone leave them alone because god says leave them alone don't correct a scoffer those who scoff at the word of god leave them alone another form of rejection of the word of god is that it can turn from scoffing to violence it's 
especially if they have power. It can turn to violence. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, you will see when Stephen was speaking to the Sanhedrin and is giving the history through the Bible, starting with Abraham onwards. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. They were mad. Verse 57 to 58 says, because they had power. We don't do a lot of things to preachers. We don't even gnash. We go home and gnash. We get on the phone and gnash our teeth about the message with others. But if we had power, this is what. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped the ears, ran at him with one accord. It's a mob. One accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. It's interesting, the first martyr, when he's being stoned, just like his master, he's being stoned to death outside the city. Because God is saying, the city is not worthy of you. While they may say, you are not worthy of the city, God will say, the city is not worthy of you. So remember, understand, either we repent, or we reject. And reject can be so many different, different ways. One can be scoffing. Other can be, you know, Pastor Vijay has talked about procrastination, delaying it. King Agrippa, okay, when it's an appropriate time, I will listen to you. Okay, those times never come. So many ways. See, when the truth comes in, the time to deal with truth is now. And God says, when you hear my voice today, it's now. You delay it is often becomes very late. Okay? Unless God in his mercy gives us more chances. Okay? So remember, this is the first thing we need to do is to believe. When we hear, we believe. And how do we know we have believed? We heard, that is true. And I repent of my life and I receive that truth. Okay? That is where knowledge comes in. And you understand why knowledge is so important. Because to continue in truth, we need the knowledge of truth. To continue to walk in faith, I need to know more and more of God and of God's ways. I need. That's why in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, God says, my people perish because of lack of yeah, verse 6. Yeah, 4-6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. All the knowledge you learn in school and college and universities will help you in this world. It will not help you in the kingdom of God. Ultimately, you will be destroyed. If you do not have knowledge of who God is, what his ways are, we will be destroyed. That is good. You need to learn all that. Not all of it, some of it at least has skills, but it is the knowledge of God which will take you on to the other side. He says, because you have rejected knowledge, what do I do? I have rejected you as my priests. In the kingdom, who are there? Priests and kings, nothing else. In the kingdom of God, you read Revelation, in the kingdom of God, when it is manifested among people, there are only two kinds of people, priests and kings. Priests are those who serve God and kings are those who rule with God. Only two sets of people. And God says, because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you as priests. That's why we need knowledge. 
That's why we need knowledge. So the first thing God says is, you need to know who I am. And you need to know my ways. We don't need knowledge of evil. We don't need knowledge of evil. But we do need knowledge of good. Because God is good. In Romans 16 and verse 19 says, 16, 19 says, we know that song, right? Romans 16, 19 says, Be excellent. Is it, is it that one? Yeah, I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Don't even go into that areas. You know something is evil. A lot of young people have this fascination with evil. That's why I don't even mention sometimes names. Because I know you hear something connected with evil, you will Google search it. and want to know an expert in it. That's not our job. It's good to be simple about evil. Be excellent about good. Fascination is with evil. It's a fascination of the fallen man with evil. But the redeemed man is fascinated with good. And God says, be excellent. Be wise concerning what is good. And be innocent, simple in concerning with what is evil. So we need knowledge. We need knowledge of good. How, who is God? What are his ways? How does his kingdom function? We need this knowledge. But remember, God, God your heart. There is an issue with knowledge. It's a primary issue with knowledge which you see automatically in First Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. There is, now concerning things, okay, we know that we all have, we all have what? A knowledge? That's a problem. Knowledge? If you have knowledge of good and you practice that knowledge of good, automatically you think you are good. That's Still okay. But the problem is not only th- you think you are good, you also think the other one is evil. That's what the tax collector is in the, the, the Pharisee is saying. I'm not like that dude. I'm good. That fellow is evil. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge automatically in a fallen man, an unredeemed, unrepentant heart will always think, make you think you are better than the other one. It puffs up. And God says, guard your heart. As you acquire knowledge. Be very, very careful because knowledge is a double-edged sword. It's very powerful in your walk with God. It can kill you also. Because knowledge can destroy all of God's creation. Of everything God has created. The most magnificent creation was not you or me. Okay, So put that away. It brings some humility. It was none of us. His most magnificent creation was Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Of all of his creation, the most magnificent was the devil. Let's listen to his description in Ezekiel 28, verse 12 to 15. Thus says the Lord God, this is talking about Lucifer, the devil. You were the seal of perfection. When you put a seal, it means it is complete. God says, if you want to talk about created perfection, you are that dude. You are perfect. This is the devil. Full of wisdom. Full of... It's a terrible combination. 
terrible, terrible combination. Full of wisdom, full of beauty. And you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Okay? Sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, trochus, emerald. A width. That's how we walked. Gold with all. See, you have to understand the physical part of it, the reality of it, and the spiritual connotation to the new covenant, to the spiritual man. The old covenant, they left it alone because it's a carnal man. The new covenant man is a spiritual man. And to the spiritual man, God says, the spiritual man and woman, God says in Timothy, in true Paul, and Peter says, let your beauty not from all these things. Why? There was somebody who was like that. Don't imitate him. Don't imitate him. Don't go after ornaments. Don't go after golden. Don't go after wealthy apparel. Because once upon a time, there was somebody who walked like that. But when the Son of Man came, he was incredibly humble and incredibly simple in his outward form. Imitate him. That's real beauty. And the workmanship for your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were an incredible singer. And musician. Imagine this man. He's, imagine this creature. Perfect in beauty. Perfect in wisdom. And when he takes the guitar and sings. You know the most powerful medium in the modern world is music. More than movies. It's music. Imagine this guy. Beauty. Wisdom. Precious stones. Inlaid or gold inlaid with all this. And then. You were anointed. You are not an ordinary cherub. You had anointing. You did not only have anointing. I established you were also ordained. There are many who are ordained in this world. Who do not have the anointing. There are many who are anointed. Who do not have the ordination. You were anointed and ordained. Think about this creature. How God has made him. Full of wisdom. Full of beauty. Walks in this When it comes to music and musical instruments, he has no match. He was anointed cherub and he was ordained. You, who can walk, ascend. Who can? Ascend. He's not even talking about ascending. He's on the holy hill of God. He has pure hands and a clean heart. You walked back and forth on the holy hill of God. Then, you were perfect in all your ways. Wow. From the day you were created till iniquity was found. Till iniquity was found in you. How did it happen? Verse 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Lifted up. And you corrupted your wisdom. Heart was lifted up. That's why it's very difficult to find knowledgeable people who are humble and beautiful women who are humble. It's very difficult. And if you are, that's an incredible combination. If a knowledgeable man is humble, he is always aware of not his knowledge, but of his ignorance. Or what he doesn't know. A humble, knowledgeable man is always conscious of what he doesn't know, not about what he knows. 
So you can always make out a knowledgeable, humble man will always before God talking about what he doesn't know. The knowledgeable, proud man is forward telling everybody how much he knows. Understand the difference. Isaiah says the same thing in Isaiah 14, verse 13 and 14. Isaiah and Ezekiel are the ones who are given a preview or, or a glimpse of what happened in eternity past in heaven with the devil. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mound of congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I will be like the most high. Okay. Basically he says, I will be God. And I shall decide one of the primary facets of God other than his power and all. All these gods have power. Our God has absolute power. But more than that, one of the ultimate facets of God is God alone decides what is good and evil. The day devil decided, I will be like God, he decided what is good and what is bad. And he planted it in man in the Garden of Eden and all of us struggle with that when the word of God says and says, this in you is bad, we fight. Who told you? Who told you? See, in your office when you go wrong, they will only say this, this process was wrong. They don't tell you you are evil. The word of God tells you you are evil. Religion will tell you your ways are wrong and you can correct it by yourself. God never says that. You are evil. You can never correct it yourself. The only way it out first, believe what my son has done. Then only you have redemption. And the fallen man gets so mad. Because the fallen man's nature is the nature of the devil. Ultimately, the devil, when you look into that, he did not believe in God. And when iniquity was found in him, he did not believe in. He had the right belief about God, but he did not believe in. We may have the right belief about God and we may be able to say the apostles creed out of memory, but about God, but not have the right belief in God. James chapter 2 verse 19. The difference between right belief of God and the right belief in God. You believe that there is one God? You do well. That belief is correct. You will get 100% in that exam. Even demons believe. Meaning in the spirit, except for man and this human world, in the spiritual realm, everybody is monotheistic. In the spiritual realm, everybody knows there is only one God. Even the devil knows there is one God. Only one God. He has the right belief about God. But he doesn't have the right belief in God. Right belief about God is not going to take us anywhere. It's the right belief in God. That is going to take us somewhere. So Jesus says in John chapter 6 verse 29, the first work you need to do, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. We want to do the work of God. God says, that's it, fantastic. I would love you to do my work. And what's the first work you have to do? Believe in my son. 
That's the beginning. If you don't believe in my son and what he has said, then it doesn't make any difference. Over this statement itself, the whole of mankind is divided. Jews believe in all the prophets, but they don't believe in Jesus. But the problem is, I also believe in the words of all the prophets that the Jews believe in. I don't believe in them. Can Abraham save you? Can Moses save you? Can Malachi save you? Muslims believe in Jesus. But they believe Muhammad is the last prophet and the final one. Can that save you? No. Multiplicity of Hindus believe in Jesus along with all the other gods. No Hindu have I ever met in life nice people who will say, no, I believe in Jesus too. And if they can get a statue in one of these Catholic shops, they will take it and they will put that also there. And they regularly will put flowers for him also. But you can't blame their ignorance. We put up statues and they pick one of the statues. We are to blame, not them. It was to us, God said, you shall not make anything of graven image of anything in heaven on earth or below. It was to us, he told. He didn't tell them. So when we, to whom it has been told, make statues and keep it in front of our churches and they buy the little ones and keep it in the houses, who is to be blamed? They or us? Not them. They are innocent. They are ignorant. Some Hindus also believe that Jesus is the chief of gods. Nebuchadnezzar, when Daniel interpreted the dream, said, your God is the chief of gods. Will that save him? No. Many Christians, millions, over a billion Christians, believe in Jesus, whom God sent, but they also believe in Mary and the other saints. Will that help you? Simple problem is, this question is, can Mary save you? Can Peter save me? Can Paul save me? No, they didn't die for me. They all died. But their death is not atonement. Their blood has no power to save a single sinner. Because they themselves were sinners who were saved by the blood of Jesus. What is the first words of Mary when Gabriel says, you are going to bear the Son of God, which is the Holy One. My soul rejoices in my God, my Savior. She realizes that the baby in the womb which has been conceived is her Savior. Is going to save her one day. You see, when you, when you supplant the truth of God with a lie, what they did is that they said no. One of the official Catholic dogmas is that Mary is co-redemptress, which means she also saves along with Jesus. Now, because you added something, then you have to add something more to buttress this lie. So they say she was created without sin. The question is, if she was created without sin, he was born of the Holy Spirit, was she? You see, this is the problem. When we reject the truth, we reject the truth, we have to supplant it with a lie. When we receive the truth, we have to reject that lie. It will immediately bring conflict. Immediately bring conflict. And the problem is most Christians... Like Muslims, 1 billion plus Muslims, 800, 900 million of them are illiterate, so they cannot read the Quran. 
Christians can read, but they are biblically illiterate. They don't know the Bible. So they believe anything that is told by anybody. That's why we put scripture up there. You don't have to believe me. What does scripture say? My job is not to preach to you. My job is to show you and teach you from scripture what scripture says because the foundation is scripture. The beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That is on which everything should rest. Every argument of every servant of God should rest with scripture. Nothing else. And we struggle with that. So believing is not a mental ascent with your mind. It's believing with your heart. If you don't believe with your heart, how will you pursue him all the days of your life? That's why Paul says, this is true. This is true. And you're believed in the truth and you are saved. You're born again. This is your reasonable response. He says your reasonable response. Romans 12. What is your reasonable response? I beseech therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is there. Good acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the question is this. Okay? Now we are getting into connecting the messages. Okay? If I do not learn, you and I don't learn every day to surrender my body, that is physical discipline, and discipline my mind to the patterns of God How will I know what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God? God says the process of knowing the will of God is first offer your bodies. There are so many things told about offer your body is holy, acceptable and all are important. Go to verse 1. Offer your bodies. Why are you able to hear the word of God today? Because first thing you offered your bodies. Willingly or unwillingly. But you offered your bodies. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means don't come here and sleep. First thing, that's what it means. Don't sleep. Be living. Not a sleeping sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Second, holy. If you haven't walked in repentance, the word will not strike you. It will miss you. You are here, a living sacrifice, but unholy. And the word of God is holy. You will keep on rejecting it. You will tune off. It's very easy for the devil to distract you. Very easy. It's very difficult for the devil to distract holy prepared vessels. Very difficult. Are you getting it? Holy. And you should be acceptable to God. Your ways should be acceptable. You come in a frame of mind where you are. And that's why we tell you Saturdays, don't sit till 1, 2 in the morning and then come here. Your body is not acceptable. The way you presented your body or you party on Saturday, you eat so much and come to church. No, you're so tired. You've been sitting. All those ways are not acceptable because body God has created it to function in a particular way. 
When you have exams tomorrow, doesn't whoever is in charge of your parent will say, sleep early, wake up early, see that, don't go, and chakkar in the, do that, don't they prepare you for the exam? How come people don't prepare for truth? Because we don't take it seriously. One of the reasons the word of God misses most people is because they don't take it seriously, God's instructions. We haven't believed. We haven't believed. If you don't believe, then only second pattern. Second is what? Confirming to the pattern of the word and not the pattern of the world. Renewing of your mind will take place. You look at the young ones struggling, struggling, struggling. Eyes are going here and there. Struggling. Why? Why? Because it's discipline. The problem is this. If I don't repent, first accept and start working on it with God's grace, how will I know the will of God? Now, there's a problem with the will of God. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus said it in Matthew 7 and verse 21. You know what he said about the will of God? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does. Now to do, I need to know. To do, I need to know. Without knowing, how can I do? Without doing, how will I enter? So God says, faith is not static. It is living. It's not by mental acts and people enter into God. It's an active walk of faith. And for this active walk of faith, there are certain parameters God has set. So Paul says, what should I do? God said, it will be told you. Go to the city. What does he do? He goes to his blind. He's held and he's taken. The first thing we know that for three days he's fasting and he's praying. What is he doing? He's preparing his body and he's preparing his mind. Third day God speaks to Ananias. Go to that street. Go to that house. That man is there. Behold, he's praying. Lay hands upon him. Eyes are open. He's baptized. He receives the Holy Spirit. God says, your work begins. Because you are ready. You are prepared. How do you know you are prepared? Because you believed what you heard. How do you know believed? By your actions. Three days. Are we getting the picture? The problem is, we need to ask, what is my faith based on? Faith based on simple things. Jesus appeared to over 500 disciples, but Peter, Paul will say in Corinthians, before he rose from, went, ascended to heaven. Ascended to heaven. So many things which we do, you know, so many things which have no sense with scripture, like many Christians, when they die, their family will have a 40th day's ceremony. Saying that Jesus was wandering around for 40 days, then only ascended. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says he ascended to heaven on the first day. Went to the holy of holies without his own his blood. Because what was on earth is just a replica. The real thing is there. He entered into the holy of holies without his own blood and he offered it as the one-time atonement and the father receives his blood. That happened on the first day. He didn't ascend on the 40th day. He ascended and came down many times. Even our beliefs are not based on truth. Now you'll say, Pastor, so what should I do if somebody dies in my family? Should I have a first day ceremony? No. Just have a ceremony, a memorial service any day. 
because our mind will immediately go into religion ayyo because religion is connected with people because if i don't have a ceremony what will people say everybody is bothered what will people say nobody is bothered what will god say what will people say is religion what god will say is faith that's the difference okay so what is my faith based on so there is believing and there is doing not doing first first is believing believing followed with doing more you believe more you do more you believe more you do to the point in second peter chapter 1 scripture says gives a list i'm not giving you the list verse 10 and 11 second peter 10 and 11 yes for this re- 10 therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your call and election sure for if you do if you do i'm not just believing doing if you do these things you will never stumble in what in your walk with god you'll never stumble you walk with god you can walk consistent let the world say whatever they want you can consistently walk with god if you do these things but to do these things you need to hear and to hear you need to believe and when you believe and do you will not stumble not only that when your end happens what happens for so an entrance will be supplied to you up abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior your entrance into the kingdom of god will be like paul's i see my crown see my crown god says you can be absolutely sure of a glorious reception into the kingdom of god because you believed and you did you believed and did you believed and did okay that's how the kingdom works this is the spiritual battle we are in It's a battle, and it's about this battle in Second Timothy chapter four and verse seven. Paul will say at the end of his life, "I have fought. I have fought the good fight, and I've kept on fighting until the end. What did I do? I kept the faith. I didn't lose in this fight. I kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I have fought the." good fight for for many people faith means religion no that's not what it means faith means you walk with god faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of god so remember the devil is going to use what sight to trip us the only way the devil can actually trip us is using sight opposed to sight opposed to sight sight has so many things when you op- when you are conscious the moment you wake up sight comes in. with memories of yesterday to the dreams of today and the sights the flesh the hunger everything is called sight opposed to the entire gamut of sight there is one book one book alone this whole world is based on sight opposed to that stands one book and one book alone the word of god nothing else just one book that's enough against all the powers of darkness who will use this world system to get us into sight there is one book and one book alone that's why there has been no book in human history that has been attacked like this book no book for centuries especially 
after Christianity came in, after Christ, centuries to own this book, you could be killed. During the Catholic raid of the Middle Ages, only priests were allowed to have a book. If a common Christian was found with a book, you're dead. You're not allowed to have. Because if you read, you will ask, if this is true, why are these things happening in the church? It doesn't tally with the book. So they were not allowed to have the book. Until Martin Luther came, was a priest who had the book. If he had not been a priest, there would have been no Protestant Reformation. Why was there a Protestant Reformation? Because one priest read the book. One priest read the book. And he read the book. He said, what is happening here? I am being told a lot of things which is contrary to the book. This is the book that gives me power. This is the book that gives me authority. This is the book that has made me what I am. But everything that I am asked to do is against the book. Book, remember. That's why the reading of this book, you read any book, you don't fall asleep. You read this book, sleep suddenly comes. Why? Because the devil brings nidra. He knows. He knows you read this book. You understand his book. His game is over. Because it's by reading. It's hearing. Actually, one form of hearing is by reading. When you come to the preaching of the word. You see how you suddenly rise up from your sleep when a joke is cracked in church? And fall asleep after the effects of the joke is over. Why? Because the devil knows the preaching of the word. If you hear, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Remember in Romans chapter 10, he will talk about faith and he will talk about, he will save. The word that can save you is so very near you. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus will save you. And after having said all this, he will come with a very, very, in chapter 10 and verse 13, a very emphatic statement. He will say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Very emphatic statement. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. After that, he comes with a whole set of rhetorical questions. Interesting question. First question. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? First question. Can you call on Jesus if you have never heard the name of Jesus? Can you call upon Jesus if the Jesus you have presented is not the Jesus who was crucified on the cross for your sins? Can you call upon Jesus as your redeemer if the preaching you have heard is not telling you you are a sinner who needs to repent? Which Jesus are you calling upon? The one who will give you money or the one who will give you salvation? How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? First question. Second, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? They have never heard about the real Jesus. That's why today churches are full with no faith. And the world is taking over because the Jesus they have heard is not the Jesus of the Gospels. When you hear the Jesus of the Gospels, your heart is 
cut one way or other either you will cry what should i do or you will gnash your teeth three words a preacher used either you will be glad you will be sad or you will be mad you'll be glad because you heard oh lord thank you lord i thank you what i believed is true thank you thank you thank you lord you will be sad lord that is not what i am or you will be mad i want to knock him off the pulpit how shall they believe in whom they have not heard next question how shall they hear without a preacher how shall they hear without a preacher next how shall they preach unless they are sent sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things the best news man can ever hear is you know god has made a way after you die you don't need to go to hell you can go and be with god while you are living you can walk with god there's no better tidings than that The glad tidings is that if you believe in Jesus you will get lots of money and houses and cars no find a job in dubai they have more than us much much more than us mansions without believing in Jesus verse 16 but they have not all obeyed the gospel the gospel has been preached It has been preached. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? We have preached the word of God. The word of God has gone to the ends of the world from time immemorial. But everybody has not believed. What does the next word say? So then faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to the earth and their words to the ends of the world. The word has gone to the ends of the world. But people don't believe. How do you know you have believed? you obey obedience is proof that you and i have believed and repentance is an act of obedience so ultimately faith becomes a very 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 personal thing because a walk with god is a very personal thing it's a very very personal thing so when you go back now we are all sitting here together all sitting here together it's a very communal thing not communal in the sense of insight community as a community of believers we are sitting one man is preaching you are listening but when you go back faith is a very personal thing what you heard god is saying let me see how many believed how many obeyed so don't confuse the pattern of the world with the pattern of god because god has a pattern often our words will see that we are making excuses for the world and not for the word ha huh. like if vijay were to walk like a crazy man will say are jaane do after all men will be men right a woman woman a believing woman takes two hours before the mirror will say jaane do women will be women boys will be boys girls will be girls did somebody say that to joseph or daniel boys will be boys interesting right did god tell satan look at job men will be men 
Did he say? He said, look at my man. Did Peter in 1 Peter 3 say women will be women or did he say look at the holy women of the past, especially Sarah? See, we make excuses because our pattern is from the world. Our nose is not pointed against the, towards the kingdom. We always make excuses because somewhere or other we want to conform to the pattern of the world. And we are comfortable actually with those who we like, honestly, we like uh, godly people. Godly meaning those who have accepted no God, who sit in the middle. We don't like extreme people because they make us mad. We like these people who sit in the middle. So when you sit in the middle, if you're walking with God, you feel good. Okay, that sister is all, brother is also walking God. When you fall away, you will say, okay, that's good. He also does the same thing. Nobody studies the book of Job. Nobody studies the book of Daniel to learn from Daniel. They learn eschatology. They won't want to learn about Daniel. You cannot rise in the world like that. It doesn't work. The first thing they will say. You want to know about the future? Study that book. See, we like the world. We like the world. Faith is active. Faith is a verb in the Bible, not a noun, not an adjective. It's a verb. Faith always zooms into God's word and takes a stand for itself. And it's once it takes its stand, it is immovable. We have reached 8.30, so I'm closing here. But I want to tell you something. If you study, Daniel has been one of those fascinating books for me. Twelve chapters, chapter one, chapter two, Chapter 3, I put chapter 3 like this, okay? Chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Why did I put 3 on one side? Because in chapter 1 and 2, 4 to 12, you will see Daniel. In 3, he's not there. No, no, no. In 3, he's not there. 3, he's not there. And 3 is like one of the most important chapters when 3 men are going to be thrown into fire. He's not there. 1, he's there. 2, he's there. Three, three young men who stood up because he stood up are asked to stand alone. That's the principle. One day if I am not there, Vijay is not there, will you stand up? It's easy to sit in church. Easy to stand up in church. The question is not whether you stand in church, whether you stand in your classroom. This is irrelevant. If you're not standing there tomorrow, this is irrelevant. If you're not standing in your offices, it doesn't matter what you do here. It's irrelevant. Because faith is an active walk. What matters is not what you do here. What matters is what you do there. And what you do there tallies with what happens here. Then it works. Then it works. Then it is finished. Then God starts. Think. If you read chapter 3, you will see a place called Dura. This is hill surrounding Massive plains. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands and thousands upon people are there from every land. You need, you need to understand war tactics. Some, some kings are smart. 
some kings are smart and not so smart. Like Alexander was smart in war, but terrible in peace. Because you are a small nation like Greece. You can rush like a leopard and conquer land, 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 land. land. But how are you going to hold this land? There's no point in conquering a land if you cannot hold it. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar was smart. He had so much land, but he got people from every land, got them into the civil services, made them like Babylonians and sent them so that they ruled. So there is no insurrection. Okay, that's what he's done. He's got people from all over the Babylonian land. Everybody has no problem with idols. Every Gentile has different idols, so he has, doesn't have problem with one more idol. Judah and Israel has compromised under so many unbelieving kings. They have been worshipping calves at Dan and Beersheba and everywhere. They also have no problem. So there is this huge statue made. By fire is burning over there. Edict is proclaimed. There is music and celebration because this statue is going to be now instituted. And when the edict goes, every Body in that place, you can see line upon line upon line upon line upon line. Tens and thousands of people are supposed to go on their knees and bow down. And the trumpet is blown. Everybody bows down. And you see three men standing. Just three men. Just three men standing. That is a scene you have to imagine. Three men standing. Just three men. God is saying, there will be always... Very few number of people who will stand up for God because they knew that's the right thing to do. What was the edit? If you don't, you will die. You know how a man of God put it this way? All of us are going to die anyway. All of us will die one day. It's better to die early and enter God's presence in peace than to live long and die and enter into God's presence with terror. Because anyway you are going to die. The question is not whether you will die or not. You will die. But how will you die? And how will you enter into his presence? Will you enter with peace knowing that I stood for what I knew was for God. And have died in pain but entered in peace. I died without pain and entered with terror. That's the question. And that idol he makes is just a symbol of the idols that is within us. There are idols within us. We don't realize. God says, no idolatry in heaven. Every day we wake up, he says, either you serve me or you serve the idol in you. It's a choice. The walk of faith is a walk where every idol is destroyed. And for idolatry to be destroyed, there is a disciplining of the body and there is a disciplining of the mind in the ways of God. And God says, you will know what is the good, the acceptable, and finally, what is the perfect will of God. You will. Otherwise, he says, you will not. And if I don't do the will of God, the question is, did I really believe? What did I believe? Some myth? I haven't believed, because like I said, the issue is not now. In one week more, and then you will be going for vacations. That vacation will decide what you are. That will decide what you are. Nobody is there. Your guardians doesn't know what the Bible is. 
Nobody is there to supervise. That will tell you who you are. I don't know who you are. You yourself may not know who you are. But you will know. When Sabbath comes, you will know. God allows us to know who we are. So that we would repent and not reject and not scoff and not fight. Repent and receive his truth. When we receive his truth, his spirit gives us grace to overcome. Grace is not given to anybody who does not receive truth. So they come together. How did Jesus come? Full of grace, full of truth. What is grace for? For those who want to keep truth. Others don't need truth. Others need money. They don't need grace. When they say grace, they mean money. Grace is only for those who seek after truth. God says, my spirit will give you the strength to keep. You can stand alone in that plane. Stand there alone. Stand there alone. When they are brought before the king, they say, you know what? This is the king, Lord. If he wants to save us, he can save us. If he doesn't want to save us, he doesn't have to save us. One thing we know. You don't bow before any idol. We serve the living God. One thing. Because truth can stand on it. It doesn't need any incentive. Doesn't. We need incentive to do things. No. When you're children, we're small. Memorize two verses, you'll get a chocolate. When you're 42 and teeth is coming off your nose also, come to Bible, please. SMS, text, wake up call, everything. People tell me, wake me up in the morning, pastor, I'll come to church. Think about it. Okay, shall we stand? We'll continue. As you prepare for VBS next week, we'll continue on Saturday. Not Saturdays for the pastors, and Sunday. Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. Oh, Father, the kingdom of God is the only eternal thing. Everything else we see, we experience now on earth is temporary. It is passing away. Your word says the world and its desires are passing away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. It's all passing away, Lord. We see it. Everything is passing away. Nations are being shaken. Dispensations are being shaken. Everything is passing away. And there is fear and terror, and complacency on different sides, O Lord. The man of faith, the woman of faith, the child of faith is asked to keep his eyes focused on you. On you alone, Lord. I pray, Father, every day you will help us to believe. Because that is the first work of God, to believe. And then to do. I pray for my children here, Lord, all of them here. They have heard, they have sat almost for 10 years now. I pray, Father, they will walk in obedience. They will walk in faith. They will walk in repentance. They will know you. They will be a set of people who know you. And therefore, they will do mighty deeds. The prophecy in Daniel will come to pass in these last days through your chosen few, Lord. Be remnant in every generation. 
Let there be some from this church too, Lord. Thank you, Father. We commit the rest of the week into thy hands. And I pray for Saturday. I pray you bring your servants all, Lord, whom you have prepared safely. You brought us safely, Lord, and I pray you will reach us all home safely, Lord. We surrender our future, our homes, our families, our children, the church, and our, all our other churches into thy hands. Deal with each one as you see fit, Lord. Only you know what it will take a man to believe. So we release everything into the hands. Be thou God over our lives. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.